Welcome back to another action-packed episode of Out of the Main. Yes, action-packed. You ready for all the action? It might need uh, different theme music. Yes, 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 yes. So we are a Yacht Rock podcast known as Out of the Main. Uh, Covering Yacht Rock, of course, and a little bit more, sometimes outside of the fringes of Yacht Rock and mm-hmm. West Coast AOR. I think we're going outside probably some today, I would venture to guess. Well, a little bit, probably. Yeah. Um, very interesting uh, episode idea we've got lined up. It'll be interesting to get your perspective, and uh, hopefully you'll be interested to get mine. But um, before we get there, we'll remind everyone to check us out at outofthemain.com or, of course, Visit us and comment on our posts on Facebook, which is the way we get ideas for future topics. Yeah, and this will be one that we'll want your comments on as well, because I'm sure you'll want to present your own ideas on this topic. So, Yes, three, well, two little mini lists that yes. we're posing each other with. This was your idea, so yeah. how do you want to frame this? I came up with the idea... Uh, because every once in a while when I'm listening, I've got my mega list, which covers all of my various genre that fits into the 70s, and then I've got my various genres that fit into the 80s, and I compiled them all into one huge mega list that's like 250 days long or something. It's just a <laughs> lot of stuff. Anyway, uh, every once in a while, a song will come up, and I'll go, that's it. That that right there, that song defines everything there is about the 80s, let's say, for example. Ooh. And that's happened a few times, and it's probably unrealistic to think that one song can do that. But that gave me the idea, well, why don't we do that? Let's say one song to define the 70s, one song to define the 80s. And I thought, well, maybe let's go a little further than that, give us a little more to talk about, and let's say pick three songs that in their summation, not each song individually necessarily, though you could have done it that way, but three songs that when you sum them up, they cover what your interpretation of music of the 70s was, and then we'll do also the same for the 80s, three for the 80s. Yeah, I'm not sure which way my uh, my list here fits. It's sort of like you have to take them all together for me for, to consider that it represents the 70s. Yeah. Like each song individually does not. That's what it, I did. Okay. No, okay. that's exactly right, what good. I mean. And then the larger question will be, and don't answer this now, was we'll discover is Yacht Rock in any of those lists because Yacht Rock goes from 76 to 84 typically. So we've got four years in the 70s, four years in the 80s. So we're equally balanced there. Mm-hmm. Does Yacht Rock show up in these lists that we think define those decades? Right. So we'll give players at home a chance to maybe jot down the three that come to mind real quick, but give it some thought and post yours in the comments of the Facebook post uh, related to this episode when it comes out. All right. So we have three songs each. So I'm assuming we're going to start in the 70s. Yes. And we have three songs each. Um, do this you want to go one by one? Or do you yeah, want to do let's your go three back and forth, uh, kind of like the snake draft. Okay. Give us each a chance to go first in one right. uh, micro segment of the, the decade. But right. this was difficult and probably more difficult than I thought it was going to be going in. Mm-hmm. It, Me too. It, I thought when I made it three songs, it would get easier, and it kind of didn't in a way because yeah, I felt I had to cover more then. Exactly, and I it, to me it was difficult on both ends of the spectrum. On the one end, it's like, all right, well, I have three songs. Have I really captured the entirety of the decade? My answer is probably going to be no. And then, well, can I'm, you? Can anyone? Can anyone? Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. And then on the other end, I felt like, well, man. If, if I only could do one song, maybe that would be easier. I kind of thought that too. And I think that if I went with one song, it probably wouldn't be any of these three. Same here. Yeah. Same okay. Here. Well, interesting. Okay. Well, 
Dealer's choice. You dealt this idea, uh, so you want to go first or defer until the second half? I will defer to the second half with one final statement. It will also be interesting because we have a a five-year separation in our age. We see these decades from different perspectives. True. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays into it as well. So with that in mind... Well, uh, real quick on that, because I've, I've brought this up on the podcast before, is that my perspective has to be different because, A, I didn't even start paying attention. I so was born in 70. Really yeah. didn't even start paying attention to music until the mid to late 70s. And all I was doing was listening to the stuff that my older brothers played or my parents played. And I didn't really ever have a choice as to what I was listening until probably 82, 83. Mm, okay. Start getting my allowance money and I'm right. riding my bike up to the Harmony House to get some yeah. records. Yes. And most of my collection was on cassette. So that tells you yep. kind of where I was. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. So I guess I'm going first. Yeah. Um, I didn't intend to pick any of these songs necessarily to frame it through the prism of Yacht Rock, even though this is a podcast focusing primarily on Yacht Rock. But all of my songs, even those into the 80s, kind of have a leverage point against Yacht Rock. Mm. So, for example, my first one, a lot of times when we are doing our lightning round, Does It Float Your Boat? I've reacted to a song such as like still the one from orleans right yeah i don't know if that one ever particularly came up but i make the point in my mind that mm, that sounds like classic rock to me yeah okay and classic rock was sort of a also a you know posthumously applied genre moniker because it kind of keen to four in like what the late 80s as album oriented radio was going away but people yeah, still might even was, be later than that but you're right yeah yes. okay so Classic rock to me has a sound that's not what yacht rock is. So if I hear something that sounded super classic rocky, like part of the songs on Boskeg's yeah, right, Silk Degrees album, yeah, yeah. Um, some of it sounds like classic rock, some of it sounds like yacht rock. So mm-hmm. I feel like one of the defining sounds of the seventies is classic rock. What we know it's classic rock. Okay, yeah. and so I feel like uh, in my mind I have a certain image of the type of listener to this music. Um, mm. That's all I'll say. And uh, kind of a burnouty. I guess I'm saying more now. I guess you're saying more, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll, let me just give you the song. Hit me with a little All Right Now by the English band Free. Yes. I feel like that's got the classic Yacht Rocks, or sorry, classic rock, straight ahead beat, uh, heavy on the primitive distorted guitar. Very awful sound. <laughs> thin. <laughs> thin. Uh, not not just the guitar, but yeah, the drums and everything, really thin. Yep. Yeah. Now, this song came out in 1970. I thought they were really rocking, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is 70, right? right so right. this is like, we're still on the heels of the 60s sort of okay. flower child movement. Got a little bit of the you know, the uh, British influence coming over with the Stones and the Beatles and the Who and all that stuff. But to me, this is like, oh, that sounds so 70s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your thoughts on that one? I would agree with that one. Now, I don't have anything anything like that on my list. But Do that, you agree that classic rock is somewhat Absolutely, and I agree that song defines it. It's not the only one you could use, but right. it certainly is one that's highly representative of it, especially the earlier uh, branch of yes, it. Yes, yes. So, so there you go. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go through them in the order that they came to mind. Uh, I have one that sort of piggybacks on that, but I'm going to get to that one second. Okay. The very first one that came to mind 
and um, it covers the pop area. It covers to a certain degree the AC gold, uh, AM gold sound. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is how would you define that if people don't know what you're talking about? Well, AM radio at the time and FM radio were kind of playing two different sort of playlists. The FM radio was more as we should say, progressive. So things like the album-oriented rock stuff was starting to happen there. Whereas AM was still a lot more just straight up the middle kind of pop stuff. More easy listening, would you say? Yeah, because the rock stuff was getting somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were probably stations that were playing rock, but... Uh, you know, that was more like clock radio listening. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't need the fidelity of blasting it in your room or in your car. It was just kind of something you maybe had on at the office, had on at home, you know, yep. that kind of thing. Um, but this covers that. It uh, This covers disco to a certain degree. It's it, it Disco, obviously, a big part of the 70s. Um, I went with ABBA, Dancing Queen. <laughs> That went number one April of 1977. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just feels like what the 70s dance sort of culture looked like. Because to me, that sort of ropes in Saturday Night Fever and that whole culture yep. kind of looked like Dancing Queen to me. I agree with that. That's a good pick because I struggled with the fact that, just to foreshadow, I do not have disco represented in my list. And why I struggle with that is it's such a defining sound of a very small slice of the 70s yeah but when you think 70s you're thinking the bell bottoms the big hair being at a disco mm-hmm. it's like is there anything more quintessential 70s than disco you know in it but classic rock apparently <laughs> in my <laughs> mind right. Right. right and that's why i left just a, real quick i left i omitted disco because i feel like it only had such a small it was like a uh yeah comet that burned bright and burned quick and it was it done. did yep um, but that was a good, effective way to yeah. bring it in. Yes. Yep. And I think as we look back now, like if you were to go just search online for images of the of the 70s, you'd probably find more disco-looking stuff than you would for sure. classic rocker-looking stuff. Exactly. Yep. Um, but classic rock, so I, I wanted something that, again, that did cover classic rock and the album-oriented rock thing. But I also, there was a, um, really in the 70s is the only time maybe end of the 60s, but the only time that we really had a strong, burgeoning, um, progressive rock movement. Hmm. So I felt that part of the 70s and the fact that on radio at the time, they would play a song that was seven minutes or 10 minutes long. It didn't have to fit into a three-minute mold. I wanted to have something that covers that. Um, I, I struggled with thinking that was going to be Eagles Hotel California, but Oof. it wasn't proggy enough. No. Didn't cover that. So I went with yes, roundabout. I will remember you. Yes, in the wet. We'll charge the view of distant Nice, that killer bass line from Chris Squire. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that that's a whole entirely different culture from the, uh, the disco movement, but it covers a whole subculture maybe to some degree you can say it covers the uh experimental drug culture of the early 70s mm. too interesting going back to what you said at the beginning about my perspective being different so yeah. i was not listening to this contemporaneously Ooh, i did that word i listened <laughs> to it later like i got into yes and other stuff from that era kansas whether it's prog or not uh, yeah. later was prog 
did that have its own subculture? Like, were your friends listening to only prog or only kind of rock or only disco? Was yeah, it- I, I think there's a snobbery that goes with it. Mm-hmm. The sort of like yacht rock, you yeah. know, has its <laughs> has its snobs. Where if you listen to prog, uh, prog rock, then you thumbed your nose at people that listened to Boston or Van Halen stuff that was packaged in a three minute window. You know, they wanted to hear an eighteen minute, uh, you know, yeah. opus. Yeah, okay. so so and, it was sort of binary in that way. It's like, kind but of not was. for you, no. But for, for a lot of people, I'm not yeah. saying for everybody, but for a lot of people, and supposedly it's even more binary than that. People say that if you were into prog- uh, progressive rock, you either liked yes and that side of things or you like genesis but if you like yes you didn't like genesis and if you like genesis you didn't like yes i don't know if that's true but i've had people tell me that oh my god well it's interesting that you went there because i tried to frame some of what you're uh describing in through a different prism when i look back at the 70s especially being a child of the 80s a musician in the 90s and now it's 2022 so um i look back at the 70s as this golden era where there existed this large amount of what i'm calling super groups and i don't mean super groups like all-star bands i mean these big bands that could fill an arena were iconic had staying power could probably still sell out arena to this day the likes of zeppelin rush genesis who you mentioned the who and the stones were still active in the 70s i got kiss i got queen sticks kansas yes who you mentioned like it goes on and on and on that was kind of the thing boston even right that was like a mainstay of that era. And just before I get to the tune, you look, you fast forward to the eighties, maybe you had U2 and REM as, you know, different sounding versions of that same phenomenon. The nineties, you had the grunge bands, uh, the metal bands of the eighties really didn't have that staying power. No. My question to you is, can you name a band that emerged after the year 2000 that you would put in this category? emerged after 2000 I'm, i don't know because i think you started. could make the claim that guns and roses was this yeah. for a short time the one that pops to mind is Coldplay. i just don't know their start date exactly. yeah i thought right. that was probably late 90s I'm yeah guessing. okay yeah that's that's an example but it's not like it's they're few and far between there's not a rock band no that would do this no so, no, no. To no me, the ones that are filling arenas now are still 80s bands exactly they're, they're or still strong bands. yeah yes so what is the ultimate song from the 70s from the ultimate big huge rock act Mm. i had to go with the song that was always on the number it was number one on all the countdowns memorial day weekend zeppelin's stairway to heaven How can you not? <laughs> yeah, you know, going back to what I said earlier, if you were to pick one song that yeah. had to cover all of the 70s, granted, you couldn't cover every subculture, but that would be certainly in the conversation, wouldn't it? Well, for sure. We should, I would like to someday do a whole deep dive into that song for mainly the reason that you could never write a song like this in the year 2022. No, no, no. no. For one, you wouldn't have a home for it, but like there's so much effort put into taking the listener on a journey. Yeah. That's what you did in the seventies. You don't, not in the eighties as much, not in the nineties, never, ever since. Closest thing in the nineties. Remember I said that uh, lightning crashes by live was the nineties version. Yes. That that was the grunge's answer to stairway to heaven. That was the closest they got. Yep. And I, I would agree with that, but still the, the emphasis on like, what you said earlier, experimentation. It doesn't have to be three and a half minutes. Right. That's the 70s, baby. All right. So what's your third one then? 
My third, I'm glad you asked. I am going to ask. Uh, Wait, yes. I so you did, did ask. Yeah. And um, this is sort of, I think, only through the prism of what's happened to me in the last five to 10 years, which is- You lost your I, hair. <laughs> not in the last five to 10 years, okay. alas. Um, but I can't look back at the 70s now and not hear certain songs and get this tingle of nostalgia, okay. which is Yacht Rock, West Coast AOR- easy or light rock from the late seventies. And I just feel like that is part of that sound and it's tragical or overlooked. And that's part of the reason why we have this podcast. Right. So I'm going to include as a song representative of our dear yacht rock biggest part of me by Ambrosia. A plus pick, yeah. And here's the other reason I picked that song. Okay. Because I think what we now know as Yacht Rock's influence over the music industry went overlooked until you go back and look at the genre and you say, okay, what was happening? Ambrosia, for example, was mm-hmm. a prog rock band that wanted to experiment with this new sound. That's right. Kenny Loggins right. started totally changing the way he wrote music and performed it. He was embracing more R&B. You know what happened to the Doobie Brothers. Quick list, Art Garfunkel, Kenny uh, Michael, which we mentioned, Elton John, Kenny Rogers, Barry Manilow. All these artists have a Yacht Rock tune or tunes in their catalog. And I think that went undetected and underappreciated for far too long. So, And probably two of the biggest name producers that we've had in American music are Quincy Jones and David Foster in terms of popular music. And both yeah. of them heavily Involved True. in Yacht Rock. In this, I used Yacht Rock as a way to bridge R&B, which is unrepresented otherwise in my list and disco like you got yeah. the elements of r&b with rock and i think that's what was happening at the time and that's what yacht rock is yeah so. i'm definitely missing r&b in my 70s um most of the r&b stuff that I, that i that came up with uh when i was l- looking sort of going through my mind was it may have been like marvin gay or things like that and granted he had stuff in the 70s and, and as well as the 60s but everything that came up even if it was smoky or Whatever, anything that popped to mind made me think of Motown, and Motown made me think of the 60s. So Same even here. though they may have been dated in the 70s, the individual songs, they didn't take my mind to the 70s, they took it to the 60s. So Same here. Something that did take me to the 70s is that one of the other strong, uh, I guess you could say, subgenres in music at the time was sort of the storyteller singer-songwriter. Mm. It doesn't necessarily have to be a singer-songwriter, but the storytelling style of music, whether we're talking someone like... Uh, you know, James Taylor, Simon and Garfunkel, you yes. mentioned, Jim Croce, Harry Chapin, Gordon Lightfoot, all of these kind of writers. And so I wanted a song that kind of encompassed all of that. Um, this will be interesting because this is, I love this genre. <laughs> yeah, you, this is probably not going to be one that you would have thought of. But for me, this one does it. It spent three weeks at number one. So it was highly popular in 1972. And it's Mac Davis, Baby, Baby, Don't Get Hooked on Me. Essential 70s to me. Yes. Who was it that just brought up Mac Davis as a I huge did, influence? Yeah. No, not before this today. Or was it you? 
Well, I did because it, didn't it come up when we were talking with Chris Christian? Uh, Maybe it was with Chris yeah. Christian. Yep. Yeah, well, and I think even Kenny Loggins mentions being highly influenced by... It, you know, it might have been Loggins, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've talked to so many. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's only one Kenny Loggins. Oh, that's for wow. Sure. So that, yeah, that that does the 70s for me. I get the uh, the pop disco thing from ABBA. I get the more the FM rock, prog, AOR thing from Yes, and I get that storytelling songwriter thing from Mac Davis. All right. And uh, just for my review, we've got your garden variety uh, classic rock bands of the day like yep. free and i don't know foreigner foghead all yeah. those you got your big huge mega bands uh as represented by led zeppelin and stairway to heaven and then of course yacht rock had to have its little place it, but for i think both sentimental and intellectual sure. reasons but yep. that's it's it's about our perception of the decade i don't think we're claiming well you're you're not claiming i'm claiming that i'm defining the 70s you're i don't you know, know what i'm claiming i don't expect you know there was a show called that 70s show Oh, yeah. All right. We should have had the theme for that. That would have been it. <laughs> so on to the 80s. On to the 80s. So, so that means the uh, second half, I uh, get the kickoff, right? You deferred. That's right. I, you, yeah, would you like to receive? Or? I deferred. Okay. So I'm going to go first. This was the first one when we decided on this concept, whether it be 70s or 80s, this was the first song that popped into my mind. I knew this was going to be one of them. Um, it covers a lot of the cultural things that were being expressed in music at the time. Hmm. The sort of apocalyptic uh, nuclear war fears, a lot of the sexual undertones uh, that was in music in the 80s. This came from a big, big movie at the time. Um, it, it represents a move towards sort of alternative song structures. It's not verse, chorus, verse, chorus, hmm. you know, very poppy. Uh, use of drum machines, heavy use of sampling keyboards like the emulator and the Fairlight. So all of that new technology, all of that is wrapped up in this song that at the time seemed like the biggest thing you'd ever heard in your life. And that was Relax, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Relax, that song is so 80s. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, that that is a great pick. <laughs> oh, I can just picture the big stupid shirts with the Frankie Say Relax on it. Yep. Oh my God. It ex- yeah, it represented like this whole emerging uh style and sensibility, like whether it be fashion, yeah, approach to music, uh the video, you know, it's mm-hmm. hard you cannot deny MTV's influence at the time. Yep. Yep. Mm. That's a good pick. Thank you. All right. Uh, Tommy say relax too. Uh, Tommy say here's where I'm going. So, going back to episode one, of season three of the Yacht Rock podcast, out of the main, which was the topic of uh, the day the boat sank, the day the yacht sank. That's right. So, I'm looking at the turn of the early '80s into the mid '80s. Okay. Uh, to a micro genre that I am calling '80s nouveau, which is something I just made up. Good. But what I what I consider '80s nouveau is, you know. Rock and roll, as we talked about in the uh, that episode where the day the yacht sang, rock and roll needed somewhere to go, right? Mm-hmm. When everything was getting sure. digital and processed, where are the guitar players and the drummers and the bass players going? And there was this new emerging sort of alternative pop style in the lines of, say, Mr. Mister, yep. which we know had roots in yacht rock and rock and yep. roll. Uh, Corey Hart was doing this. Uh, the cars the types of bands that were trying to explore synthesizers and new sounds, but not totally 
give up on their rock and roll roots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fix. Did I mention The Fix? Nope. Hooters. Okay. Those type of bands. Yeah. You can hear a lot of guitar still. You can hear probably some live bass, live drums. Right. Uh, as a sort of harbinger of things to come, right? So you see some sense then. And if you cue the opening to Cutting Crews, I just died in your arms tonight. You'll hear what I'm saying. For sure. That's very quintessential 80s there, too. Totally, because yeah. you can hear the synths, wow. yeah. but you can hear a commitment to we're still a rock and roll band. Yeah. But it's not 70s-sounding rock and roll. It's 80s-sounding rock and roll, which is totally different. Absolutely. Like, almost alternative. Yeah. Right? Back then, that was the kind of music I wanted to try to figure out how to make, was how to balance the guitars uh, of rock with the synths, and in some cases, whether it be drum machines or drums, maybe together or whatever. But that was the, what I wanted to do at the time. Yeah. So that album really hit me right in the center of the heart. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and it brought on this new sort of MTV era of, like I said, new wave pop. I don't yeah. know what you'd call it. Yeah. So, which segues into my second one. Okay. Um, because eventually you get these artists who fully embrace digital and their entire sound comes out of a sampler or a keyboard or a processor of some kind mm-hmm. thinking of bands like Depeche Mode yeah yes Pet Shop Boys Erasure much of New Order OMD level 42 goes in this direction uh where it's all pretty much synthetic instrumentation and i think a perfect example of this is an uh, indelible mark on MTV's history, and that is the band Aha mm. in their classic Take On Me. Best video I ever saw, too. Yep. Man. And the sounds on that. So the drums are just, I yeah. to this day, I'm like, that drum sound is so good. And yeah, and that lead synth sound was something that just like everybody was like, "Whoa, what is that? How do you do that? What? Yeah. Need, what, what, what keyboard is that? What makes that sound?" That do you was, remember what it was? Do you remember what they were rolling like, out back then? I think it was called the PPG. I, I forget who it is. Waldorf, I think, is the synth company uh, somewhere out of Europe. Yeah, PPG was what everybody said that lead was from. Uh, I never yeah. played with the PPG, so I don't know. So when people say '80s music in yeah. quotes, I'm doing air quotes. I yes. think of fully synthed pop alternative that's what i was listening to at the time yeah i think that's a great pick i have something like that sort of on my list on my sort of honorable mentions it's not quite that but it it answers that same question okay cool Um, but i don't want to say it in case you still have more to go so my second one when we go back to the 80s people like to put a word in front of 80s the between the and 80s oh big Oh, the big everything 80s. Was big. Everything is big 80s. Everything yep. was big. big so this hair. covers the big aspect of the 80s, and it covers uh, Mutt Lang's impact on production, which mm. uh, not only did he produce a bunch of iconic records, but then he became imitated by everybody else that was coming up. How did he make those sounds? How did he get the snare so big? How did he get those vocals to sound yes. like that? And I would say all the ensuing hair metal that came in the later 80s Maybe whether they were influenced heavily by these guys, likely, but not guaranteed. But certainly the door was opened to the pop airwaves by this band. And that band is Def Leppard. And I'm going to pour some sugar on me. Oh, 
Oh, you want big drum sounds. Woo, baby. Uh, yeah, just triggered by a little pad is all. The- so that's a great <laughs> in- example of a band I forgot about that was one of these mega bands in the 80s. Yeah. Big, big, big. Yeah, and they could probably still fill arenas. I think they still do. But yeah, so the, the, the bigness of the 80s and the thing that a lot of people will criticize about the 80s is that it got too big. Well, nothing... Nothing says big more than Def Leppard in that song. I mean, it's just over the top, unabashed, unashamed, just big and over the top, ridiculous lyrics, sexual undertones or overtones. But they were just going for it. And that's part of the 80s to me. The videos were getting bigger in budget. Yeah. Everything was like going back to Yacht Rock, David Foster's sound in the 80s that people like to criticize that Chicago what 17 album is it yeah so big yeah. all the sounds are just in your face yeah. yep. Yep. um I'm, by the way i'm coming around to that sound as nice. you know my power pop uh, <laughs> uh yeah love affair okay so that's great yeah oh. so then i go with one more i go with my third one right yep okay well I, this didn't come to mind immediately but as i was getting into it as i mentioned in the 70s i didn't have any r&b in there but I really started getting into R&B more in the 80s, so I figured I would represent it more there. And to me, this covers the large majority of R&B uh, of the 80s. It covers the Minneapolis sound, the funk sound. And not only that, but it shows all sides of this particular artist in one song, because this particular artist could be very diverse and very uh, almost schizophrenic in some ways. I think I might know who that is. We're talking is. about Prince, right? Oh, yeah, I was right. And the song is Let's Go Crazy. I think that defines Prince, and I think it defines the whole Minneapolis sound of the 80s, which which was essential. Yep. It also crosses over into my Power Pop playlist, by the way. I could see that in a way. Um, to your list, so yeah, you know, exactly. your rules. You know what else? I in in building my power pop list, by the way, um, I noticed that almost all of the artists have some tie to a movie soundtrack for whatever reason. <laughs> well, as does this. Song. You needed to be. You needed impact when you picked a tune for the an, soundtracks. An 80s were getting movie. bigger. Yeah, were. I mean, that's a pretty big. Tune all right, what's your uh, last one? Well, speaking of big, I'm going to big shoulder pads, big boots, <laughs> big hair. Yeah, and. Uh, when I said rock and roll needed somewhere to go, it's like water finding its level. Yeah. Some way, somehow, people are going to figure out a way to pull out a guitar, organic drums, bass, and rock out. And in the 80s, nowhere to go but hair bands. Right. So um, 90s was grunge, whatever, garage rock after that. But in the 80s, hair bands were huge, right? Yeah. What I found was interesting about hair bands, though, is they... Fancied themselves these rebels, hard rockers, <laughs> headbangers. I know. But the tunes that charted yeah. were the wussy b- power ballads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's what paid the bills. Yes. So I am picking as representative of the, what I like to call the cock rock ballad. Here is Warrant <laughs> with Heaven. Yeah, there's so many you could have picked. You're right if you wanted to do it with the the power ballad, but that was a subgenre all its own. I have a whole huge power or playlist of power ballads. Yeah, and that's funny. I, 
I don't look at them with derision. I love those tunes. Yeah, I get you. And I know they're super saccharine at times and probably yeah. foibulaic, but the, the guitar leads are killer. The production is top notch. It's just, it's fun stuff. But I don't really like hair bands all that much, but I do like the power metal. So anyways. Yeah. So the the couple that I flirted with that, uh, that didn't make the cut on this, I had I didn't really have any on the 70s, that, but I did have several on the 80s. Uh, you sort of touched on... Um, uh, Mr. Mister, I had Kyrie for the exact reasons you described yeah. for um, Cutting Crew. Uh, video killed the radio star. I know it came out in 1979, but it, it it's launched, quintessential 80s. It, yeah, it launched MTV in 1981, and everybody thinks of it as an 80s song. Uh, when you were talking about Aha, mm-hmm. stuff that was purely synthy all the way top to bottom, I had Human Leagues, Don't You Want Me? So oh, it yeah. covers that same mm-hmm. bass, and that was a huge song as well. And then if I had to sum up the 80s in one song, it may have been Forever Young. From Alphaville. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which is all synth. That's another one of those bands that were just all synths. Yeah. So I had Relax, I had uh, Pour Some Sugar on Me, and Let's Go Crazy. And a review I had, I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight. The I Just is in parentheses, by oh, the way. Oh, good for you. For Cutting Crew, um, because of its new 80s nouveau sound, I had the fully digital sound of bands like Aha and Take On Me. And of course, the hair band, Power Ballad, Warrants Heaven. Whew. So we have one Yacht Rock song in the mix. Yep. Um, what what we don't have, which was interesting, is I went back. You mentioned Prince, but I had, had a note here that I look at the '80s in no mention of Madonna or nope. Michael Jackson, the two biggest acts of the '80s and very quintessential '80s. Mm-hmm. But why did neither of us even refer to them in any way? Um, and I think the reason mine yeah. is because I was always looking at what was happening to. Rock and roll and the day the yacht sank, what was happening to yacht rock as it trailed into the 80s? And this is what I found happened. You know, either, either went away because it wasn't cool or people were embracing this big sound with all the digital sounds and synthetic sounds. And then eventually when rock and roll reemerged, it was hair bands. Yeah, you could easily pop a Madonna song. And I flirted around with a couple of those. And I thought that sort of what she did culturally was sort of happening with Relax. So uh, mm-hmm. that's why I left that alone there. Um, the Prince thing sort of overshadowed Michael for me. To me, yeah. it's a one or the other, and I just chose Prince because I like him more. Okay. So, uh, uh, quick lightning round for you. All right. On the count of three, name the Madonna song you would have included. Ready? One, two, three. Borderline. Shooting Star. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Now the Michael Jackson song. One, two, three. Thriller. Billie Jean. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right, that was fun. Quick look. I know we're we're running tight on time. I had a quick look because I wanted to see how our picks would sort of uh, be supported by the charts at the time. So I, t- I took a quick snapshot. Um, here are the groups that had the most number one hits in the seventies. The, the top one is the Bee Gees at nine, no <laughs> representation. Elton John, Stevie Wonder, Paul McCartney and Wings, Eagles, Jackson Five, Diana Ross, John Denver. Casey and the Sunshine Band, Barbara Streisand, Donna Summer. That's it. None of those it. got a mention for us. Oh. If you were to actually look at total number of weeks at number one, not number of songs, but total number of weeks, Bee Gees would still be at the top. Second would be Rod Stewart. Andy Gibb makes that list. Roberta Flack makes that list. Tony Orlando and Dawn makes that list. Three Dog Night. Hmm. Hmm. 80s. Uh, most number ones was Michael Jackson and Madonna second, seven, as you said. Whitney Houston, Phil Collins, George Michael, Lionel Richie, Hall & Oates, Stevie Wonder, Bon Jovi, and Prince. So only Prince really got a mention there. 
Well, Bon Jovi sort of did by proxy. Yeah, yeah, related to the hairband yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, total weeks at number one, Michael was still number one. Lionel Richie, McCartney, George Michael pops onto the list. Mm-hmm. Olivia Newton-John moves up on the list. Diana Ross. So um, again, so we weren't really picking right off the top of the charts at all. Either. No, no. Well, like you said, it's interesting the prism through which you look back at the decades yep. musically. All right. Well, now should we get into the real lightning round? Let's do it. All right. All right, since you went first before, I'll let you uh, choose or defer again once, once, once well, I'll again. I'll go first on this one because I have an either-or question for you. Hmm. I have two songs. Both have been scored by the Yatsky scale. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting to see what the scores were, but I want to see if you can differentiate between the two. Is in terms of which one you think has the higher score. Okay. okay. Should or does? Does. Okay. Um, silly Love Songs. You think that people would have had enough a silly love song. And Rich Girl by Hall and Oates. And I'll give you a clue. One of those is ranked 37.25. Well, I, I know you're setting me up here, so I'll just say what I think. Okay. And uh, Rich Girl should be way up there. Way higher. First of all, higher than 37.25 okay. in my mind. But Wings, I would put like at 12. Yeah. That that was more my takeaway. So it was just kind of funny because you were being set up in that sense because I think both of those songs are rated too high but Silly Love Songs is rated 37.25 yeah. which I put it more close to 12 and Rich Girl 37 <laughs> <laughs> you think that's too high for Rich Girl? he's slamming on that Rhodes baby no I don't think that's okay. too high for that All I right. guess about right for I mean, that one yeah I, you know, to a certain degree when they're not made as yacht rock I you know, I give a lot more latitude to it because we know that sometimes humor comes into their scoring of things. True, so true. I don't take the the lower ratings quite as seriously. But what do you got for Float Your Boat? Well, interesting because um, I'm also going to refer to the uh, Yasky scale. But you and I have spoken off air about this band in various songs. So I'm curious where your barometer stands today on just generally speaking Atlanta rhythm section. I know they have stuff that's yachty. Uh, I don't particularly What about like the hits them. they play on the series, so spooky and so into you? No. Uh, I don't know what their scores are. So into you feels more like a uh, blues song with a nice groove than it feels like a yacht rock song yeah. to me. I would agree with that. So you've kind of evolved away from considering Atlanta Rhythm Station by de- or section by default to be yacht rock. At right? least like those songs like Imaginary Lover mm-hmm. and Spooky, yeah. Okay. Well, I found a song that is also rated, so it's not like I'm discovering anything new here, but how do you feel about the tune Alien? Does it float your boat? The feel that he feels you can't explain Sunday, Monday, Tuesday They're all the same He's lost and all Thoughts on that one? I'm going to have to put that on my list. I'm not sure that it's there. Um, to me, that, yeah, it sort of fits in that Terrence Boylan, Dane Donahue area. It's got undeniable West Coast vibes, and yep. there's just enough of the Yachty stuff in there, I think, to get it over the hump. I like that. What, yeah. what was the score on it? 45 only. Oh, so, okay. 
I'm not too far off. I'm like, no. like a 52 or something, but just because I want it on the boat. That's what I say. Just enough to get it over the hump. I yep. would probably put it low 50s. Yeah. But so good. to you, got a 69.5 and Spooky's down at 23.5, just FYI. So anyways, all right. Mm. So I am going to give you a buried treasure now for all round right. two of the lightning round. And this song probably is, well, I know it's not Yacht Rock, um, but it's one of those songs you're like, oh my God, I forgot about this song. So similar to today's topic where certain music, you're not sure where to put it. Yeah. It belong in Yacht Rock, near Yacht Rock, 80s, 70s, whatever. Um, do you remember this tune? I'm sure you do because you're old in a burnout. Mm. Santana winning. Yeah, I forgot oh, all man. about that song, and I don't know how. I just spinned that record the other night. Did yeah. you? Yeah. I it, think probably because, again, that belongs more in classic rock territory. People often ask whether they you think Hold On is a Yachty song from them, and we know that that has uh, um, history with, is it Ian Thomas? I can never remember. It's Ian's it's one of the, the Canadian artists, yeah, that wrote it. Um, but to me, if you're going to ask a Santana song, winning gets closer. Yes, closer. Um, and I just love the tune, so I may have snuck it on my playlist by mistake. Yeah, that's that's a killer song. I remember when that came out. First of all, I had a hard time believing it was Santana, but you know, I didn't know much about Santana. I guess I was still just thinking, you know, Spanish-oriented or rock. Yeah, black, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he had other poppy stuff uh, before that. But love that song. Yep. Yeah, baby. All right, what do you got for uh, Buried Treasure? Well, I know we have listener Derek, who is the strongest advocate for uh, Frank Stallone's catalog and how it fits into the Yacht Rock uh, catalog. Also into Power Pop, by the way. <clears throat> yeah, but um, I wanted to bring one of those songs in there because I, I know that he really trumpets them. And he's right. I mean, the, the Frank Stallone stuff is highly, highly yachty. Um, so this one comes from not uh, his album as much as it comes from the Staying Alive soundtrack, which was uh, with... Um, John Travolta and uh, Fanola Hughes was the. Oh, was she? Yes. Um, We're going to play a little bit from uh, that one. This is called Moody Girl. She's down. So Anna Devane, Vanilla Hughes, was one of my high school crushes. Ah, she did not know yes. this, of course. Well, John Travolta but, was one of mine. Yes. No, wait. Strike <laughs> that from the record. That may have... Uh, anyways, good tune. Um, yeah, that's a great pick. Yeah. And uh, Derek's right. The only thing I ever get is like, I feel like he's not quite the singer he needs to be. That was my critique the first time around. And I would love to say that he grew on me. He's good enough to pull off these songs, which are yes. outstanding. I just I feel I miss having that James Ingram level of singer, which right. aren't many of those guys. But on on these songs, because then they would just explode off the radio to me. Yep, yep. All right, well that's a great pick. Okay, off the map. I had this one. Um, I wanted to pick something else that covered the '80s, and figured this is as good a place as any to put it because this is not really a yacht rock song at all, though it kind of loosely connects on the instrumental side or what we might call the yacht jazz. But even then, it's too late for that. But this has groove, this has smooth, this has Sanborn, this is Chicago Song. Chicago Song. 
thought you were saying it is a Chicago song, but no, it's Chicago it's song. It's Chicago song. David Sanborn. Yes. Yeah, I just wanted that in the, oh. in the list. You know what? That era of David Sanborn is also quintessential 80s to me. <laughs> That's kind of why I got that in there. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, good. All right. Well, I also wanted to find something from the 80s okay. um, because this is so far off the map. It's not even related to Yacht Rock in any way. But uh, one of my favorite 80s bands is a band called Ocean Blue. Oh, yeah. So one day I thought, there's got to be something. Wait, they're an 80s band? Yes, they got started in the 80s. Um, I'm going to pick a track off their debut album, which is 1989, Okay, by the way. So just in. Yeah. Um, But I figured, all right, their career spans seven or eight records. It's all organic instrumentation. So you've got really good drummer, guy who loves his P bass, second only to David Hungate. Um, You've got a ton of saxophone. I'm going to scour their entire thing. I'm going to find their yachtiest song, and I'm here to tell you. There isn't one. <laughs> so instead, give me a little of the opening to off their first record. This is called Drifting and Falling. Yep. So not, again, not Yachty. Not even no. close to off the map, but I wanted to... There was nothing. Nothing in their entire catalog. All that sax, nothing. Yeah, it's okay. It's off the map. Yeah, that's right. It is off the map. So enjoy. That's why we have this uh, little uh, bucket we can put these songs in. Otherwise, (laughs) they'd go unnoticed. Well, you said we were running short on time. Is that correct? Ahoy, ploy. (laughs) 